What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast, the Formula One podcast by American fans for the American fans. Today, we've got a little bit of something new and a little bit of something old to talk about. So we're going to start off. We're going to talk about the new drivers that are coming to the grid for 2023. And then we're going to go in and do our rankings of our top 10 drivers for all of 2022. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that might be kind of spicy. I'm sure Dylan and I have maybe one or two that are the same. But after that, who knows what's going to happen? So make sure you stay tuned apart for that. Yeah, the wheels are coming off quick because I was looking <laughs> through my list and I had one driver in particularly or one driver in particular that was ranked fairly high at first. And then every time I thought of somebody new, he got moved down and moved down and moved down. <laughs> and he wound up at seven. <laughs> so Ooh. we'll get into that. So stay tuned for that one. That should be entertaining because oh. we discussed doing a top five. So I only have a top five. I'm going to be just over here winging the next five. And we're, we'll just argue from there about it. Uh, and honestly, I'll tell you, that driver is the reason why I couldn't stop at five. <laughs> at first, he was like up high in my top five. And then I was like, no, no, no. So interesting. We'll, it, we'll get into that. Let me get a – you're going to – the driver is <sighs> – George Russell. Oh, Georgie boy. I'm that, not going to say that, you'll have, okay. you'll have to wait. I will say that, that Russell and him, uh, well, it obviously wasn't Russell, but Russell and Russell knocked him down the spot. Okay. Okay. So what, what's going on with 2022 or 2023, man, we had three new drivers. I believe one of them, I completely forgot about. And I don't four know why new, four new drivers, three rookies. Got the Hulk in there too. Oh, the Hulk! See another one. I forgot about the Hulk, but I don't consider him a new driver, but he is. I mean, he is a new driver, just not a new to Formula One. We got right. three rookies. I'm I'm excited to see Hulkenberg this year. This he's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, it, it's it will be interesting seeing him race full time. So that's that's interesting. I need to put him back on my list. And another thing that was interesting is looking up the point standings for the past few years. And Hulkenberg is always there at the bottom. And I always forget. I was like, oh, shit, he stepped in for somebody. Every year he stepped in for somebody for like the past <laughs> three years. That's there was so one year, I think 2021, that he stepped in like four times or something ridiculous. He yeah, had more points than all of Williams, I believe. <laughs> uh, the, the ultimate suit was the super sub, I think you call him. Yeah. All right, well, let's go down. Who, who do we got first? As far as the rookies, what do we got coming in next year? All right, we got. I mean, we're going to start with Logan Sargent because he's an American, so obviously we're going there. American, um, you know, not a whole lot of. But he's born and raised in America. He was born December thirty first, two thousand. Super kind of young. He's young. He's twenty two years old. Well, hell, he's about to turn twenty two. Um, so he's a pretty young driver for you know the grid. Nothing compared. I mean, Max came in at like what seventeen or something. <laughs> yeah. Like. He had a, a he baby. had a super license for Formula One before his driver's license. Um, <laughs> That's wild to me. Yeah, uh, Vettel came in really young. There's been a lot of younger drivers, but it looks like uh, from what I can find, Logan had a super standard like upbringing into F1. Did the karting thing, did well at that. Moved into F3, moved into the Euro car, moved into F2, won F2, came into you know through the Williams Academy. Now he's a Williams driver. Um, nothing. No quirks, twists, turns, nothing that I could really find of anything of substance. Um, where did where was he raised in America? I didn't look that up. I'm kind of curious. He's a Florida boy. He's a Florida guy. 
Fort Lauderdale. I was, you missed it. I was like, it's the most important part. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So, I mean, you yeah. should have some experience, you know, carding with alligators and you know, <laughs> Florida man headlines. Right. That's what he's yep. Anytime he crashes, it's going to be Florida man crashes F1 car. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was pretty cool. I saw that he got his first F uh, uh, practice debut this year in uh, USGP, which is pretty cool in front of the hometown. Yep, and he locked up the tires and almost put it in the wall. Missed the wall by about that much. Now, another thing I was thinking is, like, you know how this year and for the past few years, Max has basically had, what, like three home races, essentially? Yeah, they, they do Zandvoort, got, Austria, and uh, was it the Red Bull Ring. That, Red that Bull Ring counts. is Austria, Zandvoort, and... Um, you kind of call Belgium. Oh, you kind of call yeah. Spa. I mean, it's right there. Well, basically, yeah, he's basically got three home races. And now this year, Logan Sargent has Miami, Coda, and Las Vegas. So he can essentially yep. say that he's tied with Max Verstappen for something. I mean, it's kind of a – that's hard to say, though. If, if we're comparing size for size, I mean, Miami to Vegas is the same thing as Zanvoort to the Hungara Ring or further, like – kind of be like all all european races are home races then uh hey he's an american he's on american soil it's a home race dang it all right fair enough <laughs> you think he flies on american airlines or you think he's you know he's probably Delta. I, that's a he that's probably. a marketing opportunity for them <laughs> <coughs> you missed the mute button completely oh no you know he's not on the uh on the private jet life yet not yet no no he's not getting hooked up just yet so, I mean, that Logan Sargent, really not a whole lot of craziness on him. I mean, it'll be interesting. He's driving for Williams this year. He's a rookie. Williams' car is hot garbage. So, don't really expect much from him. Just to more kind of keep an eye on him, see how he does, make sure he's, you know, beating um, Albon, which, you know, Albon's got quite a bit of experience in F1. He's obviously nothing stellar of a driver, he's a good driver. Um, he'll see, it'll be, he'll be a good benchmark to see how Logan is doing. True. Nothing crazy. All right. So beyond Logan Sargent, let's talk about the guy who started this whole fiasco. Oscar Piastri. Oscar Piastri, the Aussie. Piastri. So this guy, and if you remember back when it was it the summer break, all this craziness started when Danny basically came out and did the interview saying that he was McLaren through and through. He's going to stick around for the next year at least. And then behind his back, McLaren was having conversations with Oscar Piastri and apparently rumored to have already signed him at this point when Danny gave that interview. Signed him right after Silverstone, apparently. Yeah, which is pretty damn shady. But then this whole thing, because he came up in the, the Alpine uh, Driver Academy. And so they're like, he's our guy. And so Alpine actually had him uh, listed as being loaned out to Williams, which I didn't know this before, but he was going to Williams for 2023 mm -hmm. on loan because they, he was going to come back to them. Uh, well, because as... they thought they were keeping Esteban and uh, Fernando. Right. And then Fernando was like, no, I'm not staying. And then they're like, it's okay. We've got Oscar. Let's go ahead and put out a, an Instagram post on this. And then Oscar was like, no, I got my own Instagram post. I am not going to be racing for you he next tweeted year. tweeted it. He <laughs> yeah. them. He fired a Formula One constructor <laughs> over Twitter. That's so crazy to me. It is a like people were like, he, I know, like if this doesn't work out, this like, because at that point, McLaren deal wasn't 
locked in. It wasn't made public yeah. or whatever. And he was technically still under contract. So, I mean, for him to and put Alpine that out. And Alpine took like, him to court over it. Yeah, like he called his shot. And if that didn't pan out, that would have made for one interesting uh, yeah, like, we could have had a paddock soap and garage when he was there. Oh, I know. And, but, you know, I, I guess one of the things I was reading was saying that potential option for Alpine at that point which is what they probably would have done is been like, all right, McLaren, you can have him, but you're going to have to cough up some money for him. Yep. Um, so, you know, everything worked out, but so this guy. Yeah, the actually, court ruled in favor of Piastri because he'd already signed the McLaren contract behind everybody's back. And when he announced it, so Alpine was kind of just left in the dust, which there's some shady, like, man, what they did to Danny. I know that, uh, yeah, there's always politics in Formula One. It's half the entertainment value of it, but like they, it looked like they did Danny pretty dirty there. They did, they did it. Just the fact it was like it, they they were two time and they were behind his back. They're like, oh no, don't worry about him. He's just a friend, and the whole time they're just getting it he was on. A friend he needed to worry about. <laughs> but, but yeah. so he's a, that- born in 2001. He's an Aussie. So we're losing Danny, but gaining another Aussie, one that is quite bold, apparently. Quite, he's got a, a pretty good resume, like coming up so far. You know, all the drama aside, he's got, you know, he's the 2020 F3 champ, 2021 F2 champ, which he was, as a rookie, it's the only the sixth driver to do that in history, you know, which is pretty cool. Another interesting rookie fact, in F, like he was a rookie in F2 and won the championship for F2. Right, coming in your first year and winning is only the sixth driver yep. in history. Um, but one thing that's interesting as, you know, car guys like you and I are, his dad owns HP tuners, which is like if you're into vehicles or into cars, like automotive, uh, like, like tuning and all that, like they make tuning programs for all it's types of different vehicles. It's a big company that makes, like, they're a very popular tuner. Yeah, and so Diesels, that's how he kind of... Diesels, Yeah. So they, his dad kind of uh, sponsored and financed his up, upbringing basically through all the, the early karting days. And I want to say he was actually a, uh, a RC car champion before he swapped over to open wheel as a kid. And so he's just... I'm thinking RC car like the remote control cars. Yeah, got remote like the control. little trigger and the wheel on the side. That's and, it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Then took it to the real thing. I didn't know that was a thing. I'm going to go start doing that. <laughs> it was kind of like the guys that you see that start off doing like e-racing, like Formula One on like <laughs> video games. And wasn't there one guy that did that and he won the championship and he actually won a drive in like, I don't know what series it was, but he actually is an actual racing driver now. I don't know. I just saw the eSports finish this year where the guy was like in tears and thanking, thanking you know, McLaren or Mercedes, whoever he raced for. I don't care about eSports on the uh, racing <laughs> no. thing. Doesn't he was like just, you know, and good for the guy. He won the world championship in what he wanted to do. Good for him. But it was just kind of funny him talking about all the time and the effort. And I'm like, you literally sit in a simulator <laughs> in your basement. Like, I would... <laughs> I'd love to do that. That sounds like a great time. It's not like you have to worry about hitting a wall doing 140 miles an hour. How many G's did Max pull in that? Like 31. Yeah, right. I just imagine like empty pizza boxes and a pile of old mo- or uh, monster cans. Um. Okay. Anyway, so moving on. Let's go on to uh, Nick De- Nick DeVries. The guy, Nick I don't DeVries. know what it is about Nick DeVries. I always forget about Nick DeVries. He's- Man, he's going to be an interesting one. I'm excited to see what he does. Um, he's Dutch, 
Born in 95, so he's 27 years old. Racing for Alpha Tauri. The dude's resume is impressive. Yeah. Um, GP3 racing, World Enduro racing, Formula E, Formula 3, Formula 2, karting. Um, last year, he got his opportunity when... Uh, Albon. Albon got appendicitis. And so he was he raced the Williams car for quality. Um, he finished P13 in quality, so he made it into Q2. And then due to all the penalties, of course, that was one of the races where everyone and their dog needed a new engine. And so he moved up to P8. And then he finished the race P9 and got two points. He got two <laughs> of the eight points for Williams as a so reserve. He got a driver. quarter of Williams' points. He's got on a quarter the one race. of William, Williams' points. Right? He got more points than, I think, Latifi for the whole year. And he had one race. I think like, so, yeah. Latifi finished ninth in Suzuka. So I think that was his only points finish. So. Yeah. So tied Latifi. Yeah. With so one Nick, Yeah. And you know what's cool about this is kind of like we spoke about last week with Mick Schumacher going to Mercedes as a reserve driver, right? Nick yep. DeVries was the reserve driver for a while, and he's getting older. He's 27, 28 years old now. Yep. Um, But the fact that he was able to just be in that garage and kind of you know, study underneath and around Lewis Hamilton and, you know, when Bottas was there and now that, you know, yeah. Russell's there, like he's got a lot of good mentors in that garage. Is a Formula and, you know, E background? I mean, those cars He's a Formula E champion. Like, yeah. No, those things accelerate like crazy. They're open-wheeled like, I mean, he's a rookie, but he's about the most experienced yeah. rookie you can possibly have. Exactly. Like he, he's a rookie kind of like in name only, but he's got experience. So I'm excited to see him. I, I you know, looking at their, at their past resumes, I, I'm kind of banking on Piastri to be like the new hot thing in Formula so, One so as far as the incoming rookies. He's in a good car for it too. I mean, the McLaren's not great, but if they're, they're on a comeback, they've got the potential yep. to be a better car. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll see, you know, I don't know. Kind of interested to see what Alpha Tauri does this year. You know, that's uh, Nick DeVries going to Alpha Tauri. I mean, they kind of took a step back last year. They're looking really strong in 21, but 22 was kind of a, a rough year for them. Um, so I'm interested to see how that car is. You know, they've their sister team obviously got it figured out. So I would imagine that a well, lot that's of that's going to trickle gonna down. Say, that's going to be really interesting. I mean, look at what happened. You know, Red Bull loves to pull from Alpha Tauri. I mean, look at. Uh, French guy. Um, Gasly. Gasly, thank Gasly! you. Gasly! Um, I mean, if I was Nick DeVries, I would not, I'd be ecstatic to be in that AlphaTauri. That way, it just performed super well. You're going up against, jeez, um, I am all over the place. Who is his? Yuki Sonoda. Sonoda. <laughs> who's nothing, like, who had a terrible season, didn't do anything. I mean, Horrible. he didn't do anything bad, but he just did not perform. I mean, you have the opportunity in your rookie year to be the number one driver with number two in Red Bull is a questionable seat. I mean, Sergio seems pretty yep. solid, but as we've said every episode, I mean, you're one bad race away from Red Bull putting someone else in that seat. So yep. if I'm Sergio, I'm nervous. You got Danny Rick as your backup driver, and you got Nick DeVries sitting in the wings at Alpha Tauri waiting to, right. to swoop on in. Um I'm pretty excited if I'm Nick DeVries. I don't care how well Alpha Terry does. He needs to just perform well, and he's going to be sitting in a Red Bull. Oh, yeah, for sure. So on, on, kind of on that, on Alpha Terry for last year, how much of that poor performance 
do you put on the drivers versus the car? Because if you look at 2021, Pierre Gasly had a pretty good year, right? You know, Yuki was a, a rookie, so he was kind of up and, and coming. the car constantly. Right, yeah, and you kind of expected that, like, as a rookie. But this year, both drivers had a pretty bad year. So, yeah. I, you know, for me, I'm I'm putting that on the car. I don't know if it's the drivers. I think just something fundamentally was wrong with that Alfa Tauri this year. Uh, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Um, Yuki, I mean, he crashed the car half the races last year. I think he's he's got some potential in there, but I, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence, a lack of smoothness in his foot. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but I don't think, you know, he's obviously not a Lewis Hamilton, a George Russell sitting in that car. Like, he's a good right. race car driver. I feel the same way about Gasly. I mean, Gasly's been in the sport for years. Um, he crumbled under pressure at Red Bull, got sent back to Alpha Tauri where he did pretty good. He, he won that drag race against Lewis Hamilton in Brazil and uh, got a podium and that was in 21. And it, it he's a decent driver. I just don't, I don't think any, either one of them is anything stellar. Um, right. And then you put a little bit of an, un, you know, not awesome car underneath them. Same thing with like, same thing with Haas, where you had K-Mag that was able to wrestle that car around the track a little bit better with a little bit more experience, a little more confidence, more assuredness in the foot. When you're coming out of those corners and trusting that you can give it a little bit of gas and the wind's not going to whip that back end out from you, or if right. it does, that you're able to recover from it. Like I think that you've got two drivers that aren't the best at recovering from that, aren't the sure sureness of foot, and then you know the car's not great. I, I think it's a double whammy. Yeah. Well, we'll hopefully find out this year. You know, now we got a new driver coming in there, so I, I'm rooting for him. I, you know, Nick DeVries is one of those guys where I thought that you know his kind of chance had passed because he is so old. You know, 27. I say that old, but yeah. in Formula One these days, that you know that's getting up there. Um, so I thought his time had passed, but you know, he he seized that opportunity this year and impressed a lot of teams. I think so. Good for him. I love a good underdog story, a comeback story. So I'd like to see that, you know, pan out for him. And that'd be pretty exciting too if he does well. And then you see him in an actual Red Bull, you know, actually contending against the team that he just left. You know, the Mercedes and Toto, his relationship there and yeah. all that. That'd be pretty interesting to see. It's a good shakeup this year. I mean, three rookies. Only one of them is like a true rookie, Logan Sargent, which sucks. I don't think we're going to get to hear the Star Spangled Banner played anytime soon uh, for a race <laughs> win. Um, but DeVries has got a ton of experience. Piastri's got a ton of experience and, and apparently very large cojones to pull the move against Alpine like that over Twitter. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Then we got Hulkenberg. Got Nico oh, Hulkenberg coming back in. Very experienced driver. Not a very experienced winner by any means <laughs> or podium guy. or But he's, right. he's great at getting points on the board as a reserve driver. So he's, it, it'll he's be interesting. consistent. Yeah, and he he's got experience, so I I, I think he's going to be able to get the most out of that car. And up against K Mag, who's got a lot of experience in that car, um, and did a pretty good job this year. So that'll be really interesting to see. I'm excited to see him in a car full time. Um, see how the Haas does. I mean, can't do worse than Williams. <laughs> so that's our four new drivers, three rookies, kind of one true rookie, two rookies in name, and a. Uh, old face in a, in a slow old car. face in a new car. Yeah, a new slow car. <laughs> um, All right. 
I know you're excited for this. Top top ten drivers. Top ten. Like Give I said, I've second. only got five names Take in front of me, so I'm just going to be kind of winging six through ten at this point. All right, all right, all right. All right, so I'm willing to bet that we have probably the same for number one, and after that, I, I think it's going to go all over the place. All right, so let's start at the top and work our way down. Yeah, you want to? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so number one. With 454 points, Max Verstappen. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't think you can go any other way on that. Like clearly, he was just in his own league this year. The guy yeah. made, I think, one mistake that I can remember all year. That one time when he spun out, I don't even remember what race it was. He spun out and still kept the lead and won the race. He was just yeah, like, oh, I was just warming up my tires. And was like, ha ha, and kept going. Yeah. Like, he was like, I was warming my tires. So um, I don't think there's any debate on that one there. And you can't just say it was all car. Like car was absolutely part of it. But look at Sergio. I mean, he was back there exactly. competing 200 points behind him. Like, no, Max was in an absolute league of his own. Yep. Uh, absolutely first place. Okay. Number two on my list, Lando Norris. Ooh. Number two on my list, Charles Leclerc. Really? Yep. Interesting. So here, here's my case for Lando Norris, right? Lando Norris, in my opinion, is one of the greatest drivers on the grid right now. He just does not have a car to really support his level of talent and to get him where he needs to be, right? But if you look at what he did this year, like he was consistently, well, obviously outperforming his teammate, but consistently putting that car up um, within the mix solidly in the the, the midfield mix, right? Yep. Um, you know, very few mistakes all season. One of the standout mistakes I could think of was Miami. Um, he kind of cut over, pulled a Lance Stroll, and hit Gasly, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And ended his race there. Um, other Dude, than that, I mean, not you really... could call the experience call for uh, his almost winning the race. What was that in Baku when he decided to stay? Or not Baku, it was uh, somewhere in the Middle East. Talking about Sochi two years ago? Oh, man. Was the, that two years ago? The rain incident? Yes. Okay, yeah, that was so pulling, let me pull let me pull that out. That was a twenty twenty one. Sorry. Scratch that. Go ahead. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean he just he hasn't made that many mistakes. And I, I think Lando Norris, once he gets in a good car, is gonna be a solid championship contender. He's just cutting his teeth right now and getting more and more experience. So for me, you know, I, I have him in a solid number two. And you know, him and my number three were close, but I, I bumped him above my number three because of those those points. That's fair. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I put Charles Leclerc there for a couple of reasons. Um, let me get back to my notes. There we are. Um, I, I mean, number two racer in the driver's championship also, but to be, uh, I don't think Charles Leclerc is going to be a world championship anytime soon unless Ferrari just puts a car that's way better than everyone else's, which is possible. Right. But I don't see him fighting like 2021 Max Verstappen to take Lewis, right? He's not going to rip it away from Max. He's going to have to just have more in his lane. Yep. But to still secure number two, to beat Sergio Perez in a car that was fast, faster than the rest, maybe on qualifying, but with the worst strategy, biggest clown antics, stupidest things going on over there in Ferrari, 
cars catching on fire, pitting when you're not supposed to, bad strategy, <laughs> like all of that stuff. Your camera just turned off. Um, like through all of that, still coming in <laughs> second place, I think is incredible. I mean, the way that that guy could hook up in Q3 of qualifying, how he again and for half the half the races almost nine of qual nine qualifying sessions he took p1 by putting a perfect lap together with a minute left on in q3 like yeah um is he going to be a championship contender yes i, I don't he's never going to be a max verstappen or anything but through all of the ridiculousness for him to still come out as second in drivers championship i had to put him up there and you know what? I agree with a lot of that, which is why I had him as my number three. You know, okay. I, I think that everything you just said is a very valid point. Um, you know, the there's a few mistakes uh, I think that I dropped him down a little bit for, and I thought he had such a great car um, that you know, barring all the strategy calls, that car he should have been a lot closer in the points. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the one one mistake that really stood out was I believe it was Spain this year where he was leading the race and just spun out, just completely lost it. You remember yes. that one? And yeah, he went on the curves you know, and just spun it. It was over. Yep. And so there's a, a couple of those for for him this year. So I put him down at number three below Norris. So Fair enough. As far as what do you got for number three? George Russell. Georgie boy. Georgie boy, not my favorite personality. Um, as much as I love boarding school English boys, um, that sounds creepy. Actually, you should probably edit that. Out as much as I just <laughs> nice uh, personality wise. Personality wise, all right. I, I oh, preface with that at least. Uh, now we got to put this one as explicit. <laughs> Um, okay, I dude, get what you're saying. Though top five for the first entire half of the season with an atrocious car, so consistent, so consistent. I mean, just fourth and fifth place. You wouldn't get in a podium, but fourth and fifth place every single race through pure consistency, through good strategy, and just good, good driver craft, um, racecraft. Like, yep. I can't stand to listen to him complaining about the regulations on the radio, but I mean, good God, he just sat in fourth place. It was impressive. So, uh, so I'm I'm looking him up right now. He had two finishes outside of the points, and that one of them was the DNF in yep. uh, in Silverstone, and the other one was a 14th place in Singapore. Other than that, yeah. he was in the points every race. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not even talking about like you know, the bottom of the points, he was like fifth place or higher for almost every race. He was in yep. eighth once. Yeah. It's, he was so consistent in a car that was sixth or seventh place. I mean, he should have been down at 13 and 14th place every single time. He was fourth. Yep. I mean, super impressive. Um, great race craft. I see, I see George Russell's an absolute championship contender one day. Yep. Damn, man. You're like, Making me second guess one of my spots now. Uh oh. Okay, so who's George, number four? All right, so I'm not, I'm just gonna stick with my list. I'm not changing anything. Yeah, my no, number four. Now. My number four, Fernando Alonso. And you know we've talked about it before. For a guy to be nine points behind your team, your teammate, with two more DNFs than your teammate, and to consistently be putting that car, that Alpine car, into spots that it shouldn't have been in. 
You know, he's defending like nobody's business. The only problem this year is that Carr was a giant heaping pile of crap and just yeah. crapped out on him all the time. So without yeah. that, if he was in a more reliable car, or if they would have just made that Alpine more reliable, he would have been higher in the championship standings without a doubt. So for me, Fernando Alonso is a, a number four, or my number four. And uh, I don't know if I'd move him. Even after your George Russell comments, I think I'd leave him there. My number four is Lando. Okay. Got Lando up there. All the reasons you already said. I mean, just he's a young driver. He's doing great. He's consistent. He's, uh, I agree with you. He should be a championship contender one day. Um, he's got a long term contract with McLaren, and, and I think that's going to be good for him as long as McLaren can pull through and give him a car. Um, yeah, so Lando's number four for me. Here's a thought If one of these top drivers end up leaving, do you think anybody would buy him out of his contract? I think Sergio um, would be the only one that would be an option, and Red Bull's got too many backups for that. No, I don't think so. Okay. Just a thought. All right. On to number five, halfway through the list. My number five is Sir Lewis, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton. Yep. <laughs> Bro, this guy. So, you know, I was, I was reading into his season, and, you know, he was outperformed by Russell a lot of times. But there was a lot of times where they were doing uh, kind of experimental setups on his car. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, he's the perfect one for that. He's got so much experience. He knows the feel of the car. So when you try something new, you want somebody that's going to be able to accurately articulate that to your engineers. And I think Lewis is perfect for that. And so yeah, he accurately articulated every time the tires were constantly falling off as he set past his <laughs> lap records. <laughs> I want to know what their code is. I want to see their actual <laughs> yeah. code book. He's like, when I say this, this is what I mean, mate. <laughs> so, like, I want to see that. Since when, when did he, he turn Australian? Oh, they know, mate. Put another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> Probably not the best Lewis Hamilton. We'll no, get that, was, that, was just, that was atrocious. But, uh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he, he's just he, – he was so exciting to watch this year, fighting through the yeah. field. Um, just first year I've you ever could see the experience. Him. Yeah, you could just you could see the experience, and it was just it was awesome to see. So for me, I got him as my number five. Yeah, he he was what rounded out my top five. Uh, I was debating between him and Lando, fourth and fifth, but I think that he started off the year pretty rough, going from the greatest car ever to a, a box of crap, and uh, I think that's mentally challenging for him. Yep. Um, and Russell was outperforming him so much in the beginning of the season. It was like, oof, <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it might be time yeah. to hang it up. But no, I mean, he really came through, showed all the experience. I still just absolutely love to watch Lewis throw the nose in, in the corner at the end of the corner, breaking late. I mean, no one breaks as late as he does when he wants to. Like, it, yep. it's great to watch. I was absolutely rooting for him. Um, yeah, yeah, he was absolutely deserves to be in the top five. Oh, yeah. All right, so... This is where they get the wheels a little fall bit. off. Yes, right? And we'll see the one that I've got scratches where I kept moving them down. <laughs> but my number six, maybe you convinced me he should have. He could have been higher, but I had George Russell as number six for everything we talked about, just as consistent of a driver as he was. I think a lot of my, my dislike for him these days might have swayed my opinion, and I put him a little bit lower than he needed to be. Um, but solid driver, solid driver yeah. this year too. Sergio, Sergio Perez, you put the number. Sergio three. is my number six. Oh, the third place driver. 
in the championship as number six. And I'll go yeah, ahead and spoiler I mean, alert, I had him as my number seven. So I, I was thinking that's who it was. So but why do we have him so low? Because all things equal, you're in the exact same car that Max Verstappen is, and you're fighting against a Ferrari that's fast but catches on fire every other race and pits too many times for the wrong tires. Like, um, you know, he's... He's a great teammate. That's like the best way to describe Sergio Perez. Wonderful teammate. Moves aside from Max every time. Doesn't mind doing the different strategies. He can keep the tires on and do that long distance, put the hard tires on and go 60 laps with it. Um, great teammate to have. Not a championship contender. Um, and you really saw that in the last race when he could have, when he was hunting down Leclerc and he just couldn't get it done. I, I mean, just a really good teammate, a Botas to Hamilton, uh, Rubens Barrichello to Michael Schumacher, like good teammate there to pick up the scraps when Max crashes out or does something, but otherwise, yeah, he, you know, we're not, we shouldn't be hoping to sense, uh, get a whole lot of views in Mexico for this. (laughs) Look, he just, he's not, he doesn't have that edge. He doesn't have, you know, that, that killer instinct that we keep talking about. And you say, like, he's a great teammate. He's lost teammate. that love and feeling. He's lost that love and feeling. You know it? Mm-hmm. And then I think it was Martin Brundle or Crofty, one of them, uh, during one of the races was talking about that. And they're like, oh, um, he's he's a great teammate. And he's like, you don't want to be known as a great teammate. Like, no. that's not what a championship driver wants to be known for. Because that means that you're solidly the number two. You're getting the worst strategy. You're the one that's going to be moving out of the way. You're the one that's always going to make room for your teammate, your partner. So, I mean, yeah, for him, like, he, he's he's the best number two driver that Red Bull has had since Ricardo left the team, for sure. Yep. But, you know, he's not going to be fighting for that championship. And, you know, he's just not. You put anybody, like, pretty much anybody that you and I both had in the top four, maybe, and they could be fighting for a championship. But Sergio Perez, he's he's there. He scores points, but to be in that same car and to be so far behind Max, it's it's unacceptable. I'm nervous if I'm Sergio for Danny Rick yes. and Nick DeVries in my rear view. Yep, and rightly so. Yep. All right. So he was my number seven. What was your number seven? Fernando Alonso. Oh, three Way points down, down from where I put him. Why? Why did you put him so low? Down. You know, all the reasons that you said, I think he did a great job. Um, you know, he was nine points behind Ocon. Sure, he had two more DNFs. Um, but, I mean, geez, if he got seventh or eighth place, that you know, twice, that covers that entire spread. Um, I don't think Ocon is a good driver. I, I mean, that's, that's hard to say. You're a Formula One driver. Like, unless you're Latifi or Stroll, you're a good driver. But you're nothing... You're nothing, you know, stellar as Ocon. Like it's in Fernando Alonso, two-time world champion, great defender, good, great driver. Um, you know, the car was kind of a piece of crap, but I feel like there's a lot of politicking going on. I feel like um, I almost feel like it was a good development year for for, for Alpine with Alonso. There wasn't expecting to compete. Good experienced driver, helped get the car moved forward, snag some points, get a little bit higher in the constructors. But he was the only time it was really fun to watch Fernando is when he was having to defend against one of the higher up drivers. Otherwise, he wasn't yeah. really passing. It wasn't 
he was a great driver. Don't get me wrong. He just wasn't competing where I think someone of that caliber should have been. That's fair. That's fair. It's wrong, but it's fair. <laughs> I'm excited for these last three. All right. I, all right. These last three. What are your three. last three? Just go eight, nine, ten. Just, just all right. Seven. You ready? Yeah. Coming in at number eight, I have the great and illustrious Sebastian Vettel. Okay. At number nine, I have the Spaniard, Carlos Sainz. And rounding out number 10, I have the flying fin, Valtteri Bottas. Ooh, okay. We're, we're close. At number eight, I have K-Mag. At number nine, Ooh. I have Carlos Sainz. Okay, and Carlos. At number 10, I have Sebastian Vettel. Ooh. Where, where was Bottas on your list? Just curious. Probably 11 or 12. Okay. So K-Mag, though, at number eight. K-Mag in a... Why? What, what is it? Man, in a Haas car that was hot garbage, it, yep. I mean, good grief. You have no budget. You got nothing going on over there. The car halfway flies instead of stays attached to the ground. It's getting shown up in Amazon <laughs> delivery vans. Um, and you got K-Mag making it to Q3, scoring points, like consistently scoring points. He was... Um, Man, he did awesome. He did such a good job, I thought, for a car that was so bad. Um, I think he squeezed everything that car could have had out of it. I think you could have put a Leclerc, Lando, you know, a, a Fernando in that car and probably would have done similar to how K-Mag did. Um, mm -hmm. and for those reasons, I, I put him for pure being a driver to score 25 points. In, I think he scored more than that. I think he scored closer to 30 points in that Haas car. Like, I, I thought that was incredible. So one thing that's pretty interesting about that is, so Haas obviously came out hot in, in the front of the season, right? And uh, just started scoring points, like you were saying. But one thing that I found pretty interesting, I was reading about how Haas basically were out of money. You know, they don't have the money yep. like some of these other teams were. So they weren't able to continually develop their car like the other teams so then the other teams were able to catch up which is why you see both Haas cars well even at the beginning Mick wasn't doing much but that's why you see like the Haas car towards the end of the season started falling back more and more I think after the the summer break K-Mag had one points uh finish yeah. but still yeah I agree I, I think what he did with that car this year was pretty impressive yeah it really Very good. did we so you had Vettel there I've got Vettel at 10 Vettel I mean is Sebastian Vettel four-time world champion um, you know, one of the most loved drivers in F1. He could have been higher in my list, but he just didn't do anything in that Aston Martin of any like super note. It was just great to see Vettel. Yeah, no, that was why one, he was my one thing's 10. interesting about Vettel's trajectory when you look at him as a driver. Came in young guy, Red Bull, like had the world you know by the balls. He was like the most loved driver. Then he became too dominant. People started hating him. Then you got Classic. Ferrari. People still didn't like him at Ferrari. Then he moves on to Aston Martin, and all of a sudden he's like the hero again. Yeah. And so it's like interesting to see. And I was the same way when I started watching the sport. You know, he was in Ferrari, and I just did not like him. Vettel whatsoever. was a villain. And then he he was. And then all of a yeah. sudden there was just this shift. He got to to Aston Martin, and it's like, oh, you know what? He's actually kind of a cool guy. Like I I respect a lot of the things that he does. You start watching, he was always out there. He's always in the paddock with the driver or with the mechanics talking with them. He was helping, like, look at the tires and the cars. I mean, you know, Inspector Seb was his nickname for yeah. a while. Like, he, he was 
always doing stuff with his team and just really painted an awesome picture of him to make him beloved again. Um, You can't find many negative stories about that guy. No, you can't. I didn't like him either. When he was at Ferrari, when I started watching, I was like, this dude is, what is going on? It was him and Kimi Raikkonen, which was like the most entertaining (laughs) duo for race team ever. Um, yeah, I, I felt the same way, but yeah, he he crushed it this season. He was competing there at the end, and even then, when the yep. strategy just fell apart and the the car fell apart, he's positive, and yeah, it is what it is. Like it was it, awesome it was, to see, like once that weight was off his shoulders when he announced his retirement, the the trajectory, like the upward uh, progress of his races, like he just mm-hmm. started racing, like it, it was just different. It was like he had a he was re-energized. He wanted to make the most of it. And he said the, that the, too. Oh, he did said he? that in an interview. He was like, I don't remember which race it was. It was like four or five races left. He was like, man, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I'm going to regret my retirement. That oh, race yeah. was fun. He was like, I oh, enjoyed dude. that so much. Remember that pass on KMAG and in, in USGP? That was yeah, amazing. He, yes. I mean, even and afterwards, was, KMAG was like, that's why you could see why he's a four-time world champion. So yeah. That was incredible. I love that. Wish we could have another season of it, but we'll see what happens. So we both got that one on there. Signs, both sitting squarely at number nine on both of ours. Yep, and Carlos Signs, man, he, I, I don't know what I've, I've. He's another one. Like I've just never, like, eh, whatever. He's okay. I want to like he, him. He's made so many mistakes this year in that car. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He, uh, yeah. Just nothing, yeah, nothing like impressive. I, I want to like him. I just, it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't. I mean, it, it just was not impressive. I feel like you could have put an Albon or Mick Schumacher in that car and probably still finished fourth just like he did. Oh, dang. Those are fighting words. He said Mick I mean, Schumacher. I mean, true, though. That car was <laughs> crazy fast. It was so good. It was so good. He had a and good, I mean, he picked it up on the second half of the season, but it, it still wasn't enough, and it's still... No. Not impressive. No, I wonder if Ferrari's looking at Lando being like, we picked the wrong driver. Yeah, right? <laughs> we should have went with the young boy. We should have gone with the young buck. We but, know you um, like the young boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So then, oh, wait, we have one more. You so got Botas. You got Botas at 10. Mine was Vettel. Yep. Okay. All right. So we just switched there. Yeah, and we kind of went over those. I, I think, honestly, these last three could be, you know, interchangeable anyways. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's pretty interesting. We had two of the same. We had Verstappen. Actually, we had three. Verstappen three. at number one, uh, Hamilton at number five, and Carlos Sainz at number nine. We had the same. Yep. Everything else, I kind of figured it would be that way. It, it's yeah. one of those things. It's so subjective. It's like whatever you prefer, whatever, you know, whoever's got the, the better play, color like on the said. car. Yeah. yeah, George Russell, you can't stand his, him talking on the radio, so he starts dropping down the rankings. Like, I saw a meme today. It was like rating, rating what all the drivers would do if there was a fight at school, and George Russell was the one that was going to yell and tell a teacher. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's 100% correct. Max probably started the fight. Leclerc's over there trying to look pretty with the girls and act like nothing's going on. <laughs> Yeah, they had Max as one of the ones that was in the fight for sure. Yeah, oh, for sure. Max <laughs> was in the fight. I feel like Alonzo was in the fight. He was like the old dude that came back to high school that was just hopping on in the fight. 
they they had Alonzo as the one that was going to jump in <laughs> after the fight started. <laughs> I think Alonzo and Perez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that. Um, uh, yeah, that sums it up nicely. He would be Tattleman on the teacher. Yeah, right. Um, well, that was fun. That was exciting. Yeah, dude. I think. Uh, I think next time we, you know, maybe we'll get in and uh, do some unpopular opinions because I think I got a few unpopular opinions that Ooh. might be a little spicy. I like that. Let's do that. Well, I think that's going to be good for this one. If uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on audio, make sure you give us a, a five star rating if you like it. And make sure you share it with some friends. I'm trying to grow the podcast here, so every share helps us out a lot. Um, can't wait to check in again. Hopefully, in the next few days. Uh, this is actually right before Christmas, so happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry, Merry Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate, and uh, look forward to hopping into 2023 with a bang. Absolutely. We'll see you next week, Kurt. All right. Keep it classy, America. Ooh. You said it wrong, Kurt. Stay classy, America. Hey, stay classy, America. <laughs>